Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Mackenzie campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good evening. How are we tonight? Good, good. Have you, have you noticed since we've changed to 5 p.m., people have moved seats? People are diff- sitting, you know, we changed the service by one hour, and all of a sudden everyone's decided this is their favourite section, you know, to sit in. Who loves sitting in this section? There's others that have just kind of swapped, you know, uh, a couple of pews here and there. It's going to be interesting to see where we all, there's a little leper colony in the middle over there where people are just sitting on their own. It's going to be interesting to see where, where we all settle in, uh, in the next few weeks as we get used to church at five o'clock. But I feel like I've got to, I've got to preach 70% of my sermon over here and about 30% over here. So I hope, uh, hope you don't feel left out. Hey, uh, we're in a series right now in the book of First Peter called Live Different. But I warned you a couple of weeks ago, we're actually pausing uh, First Peter tonight, but we're going to continue to talk about one of the ways that as followers of Jesus, we live different. I'm going to talk tonight about uh, giving generously. And so I just want you to turn to the person next to you, give them a high five, and just say, I'm so glad it's the giving talk tonight. All right, turn to your second choice, give him a fist pump and go goody, goody gumdrops. He's going to talk about giving tonight. All right, for, for some of you, for some of you, you've actually never been in church for a giving talk before. This is your first one. You know, for others of you, uh, you have some bad thoughts that come into your mind when the pastor says he's going to talk uh, about giving. Now, some of you get a little bit angry on, on the inside. You know, don't, doesn't the church know that people are doing it tough right now in our current financial climate? You know, why would they be asking for money? Is a little bit angry. You know, maybe some of you are feeling a little bit guilty. You'd actually really love to give, but you don't think you can afford to give. That makes you feel a little bit guilty. Some of you right now got a big smile on your face. You're so happy because you were going to invite your friend to church tonight, but you're so glad that you didn't. Uh, now that you know it's a giving talk, there's a few of you that are looking a bit grumpy right now because you did invite your friend and they're sitting next to you right now and uh, the pastor's going to be talking about giving. I, I hope that by the end of the night, you're actually really glad that you're here and your friend's here, because I, I think some of us tonight might actually go on a new adventure of giving generously to God and seeing God provide in miraculous ways. If you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus, please, no one is asking you to give anything, and, uh, but I hope tonight you might just get a clearer view of what it does mean to be a follower of Jesus. If you're here tonight and you just know that you're giving what God has put on your heart to give, then then please, no one's trying to manipulate you into giving more or uh, no one's going to try and make you hit uh, some sort of target. Giving to God is a heart issue. It's not a financial issue. Giving to God is not a financial issue. It's a heart issue. It's why Jesus speaks so much about money. If you actually read you know, through the Gospels and you read through Jesus' sermons, you see that he talks about money much more than we do here at Gateway. Why? Because he knows that money more than just about any other thing in the world has the capacity to capture our heart and to become an idol and to actually take the place of God in our life. And so Jesus, in his, one of his uh, famous sermons, he said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, where you put your money, there your heart will be also. And we think about that, we know it's true. We actually give generously to the ones that we love. We give generously to the ones that we love. You look at your bank statement, you can see who you love. 
You know, if you looked at my bank statements for the last 27 years, you would see that I love my kids. They've cost me a bucket load of money since the day that they were born. You know, way back when it was uh, cots and prams and nappies and medical bills and they got a little bit older and went to school and it was school uniforms and school fees and uh, horse riding lessons and skateboards and Hannah Montana CDs. I mean, Joey was a big Hannah Montana fan <laughs> in, the, in the day. Then they got a little bit older again and it was iPads and iPhones and iPods and every time Apple came out with a new product, I would break out uh, in a sweat and have a mild panic attack, as I know it was uh, going to cost me money. And even now, that they're all adults, they're all earning their own income, they're still costing me a bucket load of money. There's weddings, there's free rent, and there's every time we have a family meal at a restaurant, it's absolutely amazing when that moment comes to pay the bill, everybody disappears. And if they don't disappear, their wallet disappears. And everybody's just looking around going, who's gonna pay for dinner? And of course, once again, it's poor old dad. We give generously to the ones that we love. You look at my bank statements, you'll see really clearly, I love my kids, I'm devoted to my kids. You'll also see that I love Susan. Just a little, little tip here for all you young guys in the room that wanna become millionaires. Stay away from girls and cars. It's not in the Bible, it's just a little tip from Grandpa Jason. Stay away from girls and cars, you'll be a millionaire before you know it. Just this is a different sermon, but stay away particularly from girls in cars. But that's a completely, completely different uh, sermon for a completely different reason. I love Susan. I've, I buy her romantic, I take her on romantic dinners. I buy her expensive jewelry and Expensive gifts, because I love her. I just can't stop buying gifts for her. There are some people who know me well that are not sure that I'm quite that romantic, but if you check my bank statements, you'll see clearly I love her more than any other woman. I've not bought another woman a present since I bought my last girlfriend a bottle of Australis Pie perfume wrapped in a hyper-colour T-shirt for Christmas in 1987. (laughs) You look at your bank statements. You can see who you love, and you can also see who you trust. These next couple of words in Jesus' giving sermon are actually, I think, some of the most challenging words that he speaks. Listen to what he says, Matthew 6, 31. He says, do not worry, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Jesus is saying really clearly, followers of Jesus are called to live different to the culture around us. He's saying the culture around us, the pagans, the people who have made other things their idol, other things than God, are bowing down to all sorts of idols. The pagans in the culture, the unbelievers in the culture, they focus on what they want and they chase after those things that they want. They want to eat, they want to drink, they want to wear fancy clothes. I kind of get that. We all get that. We all want to eat, we all want to drink. I really like having expensive cowboy boots. It's the only piece of clothing I buy that costs a lot of money. We all want to eat what we want to eat. We want to drink what we want to drink. We want to wear what we want to wear. We want the things that we want. And Jesus is saying, those who don't believe in me, who don't worship your Father in heaven, they are focused on those things. They'll live their life to get those things. This is those who want to follow me. 
They'll actually focus not on those things they want. They'll focus on what their heavenly Father wants and they'll trust him to provide for their needs. So don't worry. Don't worry about what you'll eat. Don't worry about what you drink. Don't worry about what you wear. Focus on what your Father wants. Seek first the kingdom of God and he'll give you what you need. You know, some of us are living in the anxiety of the unknown. You know, we're living in a time where we, we know rent and mortgages are increasing, power bills uh, are going up, food is costing more money. I'm absolutely horrified. One of my uh, things I love to eat is Doritos. Anyone else here love cheese Doritos? For years, I could go to Woolies and buy a bag of cheese Doritos for $2.60. You know how much they are right now? $4.80. I tried to buy a bag on the way here. I couldn't afford it. But we know things are getting dearer. And right now we go, I think I've got what I want, but how am I ever going to buy a house? How am I ever going to get the things that I, I really want? You know, am I going to be able to pay all my bills in, in the next year? And we're living in the anxiety of the unknown. And I believe what God would say to us tonight is do not worry. Do not worry about changing circumstances because your Father in heaven is unchanging. He's unchanging in nature and he's able to provide in every season. And then we worry that if we actually give generously to God and to his kingdom, we seek first his kingdom, we give generously to his purposes on the earth, we might have to sacrifice some of the things we want. Can I just say really clearly tonight? Yes, you will. Yes, you will. I hope someone told you that when you signed up to follow Jesus. You will make sacrifice. Seeking first the kingdom of God has always meant a sacrifice of time, comfort, talent, treasure. It's always been a sacrifice to put first the kingdom of God rather than our own wants and needs. The question is, will you trust God to provide for what you need? Because he's always asked the, the people who love him to trust him to provide. So if we go way back in time and uh, the people of Israel, God chose them to be in a, a relationship of love with him and he said to them, if you trust me, I want you to sacrifice the lamb. Now, this was a big sacrifice. These are people who are living as slaves. They had virtually nothing. A, a lamb was probably one of the most expensive things that they owned. He says, I want you to sacrifice a lamb, and I want you to put the blood of that lamb over your doorposts. And as the angel of death passes over Egypt, I will save you from death, I'll set you free from slavery, and I'll deliver you into a promised land. He says, I'll actually deliver you into a promised land that is so fertile that it's like flowing with milk and honey. This was the promise. And these people, they, they did trust God to provide. They sacrificed that lamb, and God was faithful. He was faithful to that promise. He saved them from death, he set them free from slavery, and he delivered them into a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Now in every relationship, if it's a truly loving relationship, it's a two-way relationship. You know, both parties show love to the other. Now God was very clear to the people of Israel. He made a covenant with them, it's like a contract with them. He wrote it in stone. He said, this is how you're to show love to me. And he gave them a whole list of laws that they were to follow to actually express their love to God. And one of them was to actually give of their income to him before they did anything else with their money. This is what it says in Leviticus 27. It says, a tithe of everything from the land. Can everyone say tithe? A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's not yours, it's God's, and it's holy to the Lord. It's set apart to the Lord. Who can tell me what the word tithe means? It's not a word that we talk about uh, all that often in everyday language. What does tithe literally mean? Anyone know? A tenth. It means a tenth. It means 10%. 
in a time before Visa and before MasterCard, before Bitcoin, in actually in a time where ordinary people rarely use coins. They actually traded in their produce, in their fruit and vegetables. God said to them, I want you to give a tenth of what you produce as worship to me. So I want you to imagine tonight that you're a pumpkin farmer in Israel. God has saved you from death. He's set you free from slavery. He's put you in a promised land that's so fertile, it's flowing with milk and honey. He's sent rain to water your crops and you have a really good year. One year you get 100 pumpkins. Now just remember how many of these pumpkins were they to give to God as an offering to God? Who can tell me? A tenth. What's, let's test our mass. What's a tenth of 100 pumpkins? 10, all right? So the pumpkin farmer was to give 10 of his pumpkins to God. Uh, what do you do with this many pumpkins? I mean, there's roast pumpkin, there's pumpkin soup, there's pumpkin scones, apparently there's pumpkin pie. Anyone like spiced pumpkin latte? You know, there's spicy pumpkin hummus dip. Anyone else got some good pumpkin recipes? I mean, what do you what do? You do? When, and you got 100 pumpkins. Okay, this guy was to give 10 of his pumpkins to God. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. All right, well, how many more for a tithe? Hey, three, good job. Just checking, we actually know what that means. That's uh, 10. 10 pumpkins to God. What, what do you notice? Once you've given your tithe of pumpkins to God, what do you notice? There's still a lot of pumpkins. You, you still got 90 pumpkins. You've given 10 to God, to the God who delivered you into your land and made the rain to water your crops. You've still got a lot of pumpkins left. What, what would you call a pumpkin farmer who looked at how many pumpkins he had and he looked at how many pumpkins he had to give to God and he thought he was giving God too many. He wanted a few more for himself. And so he took a couple more back. What, what word might we use to describe that kind of pumpkin farmer? Anyone got a word? Greedy. We say, that, that's pretty greedy. God had done all that for him and he's not willing to give 10 measly pumpkins to God. We say, that's a little greedy. What, what about the pumpkin farmer who's now got 92 pumpkins and he's looking down the road at his mate Pat the pumpkin farmer and, and, and Pat actually got 104 pumpkins this year and he's now feeling a little dissatisfied with his life. He's not feeling very good about himself because someone else down the road's got even more pumpkins than him and, and so he decided to, to just keep a couple more for himself. What would we call that kind of pumpkin farmer who actually found his self-worth and his sense of satisfaction in how many pumpkins he had rather than the God of heaven who knows him by name? I'd say it's just a bit discontent. That you'd actually try and find your sense of contentment in how many pumpkins you owned. What about the guy who Year after year, God had given them rain to grow their crops, but he was listening to all the experts on Facebook and on talkback radio that were saying, yeah, hard financial times are coming into the future and not sure that more rain is coming. And he actually begins to worry. And he thinks, I can't give this many to God. And he hides just a couple more in his esky, just in case things get a little tight. I actually wonder if God had called that pumpkin farmer unfaithful. Not really faithful, not really trusting that God is faithful. Last one, what about the pumpkin farmer in 1500 BC that really, really wanted a brand new Tesla? And he didn't want to wait 
for his pumpkins to ripen to buy the Tesla. He could see himself in it right now. And so he actually went to the pumpkin bank down the road and he borrowed a whole bunch of pumpkins at 17.5% interest to buy his Tesla now. But when his pumpkins ripened, he owed so many pumpkins to the bank, he had none left to give to God. What would you call that pumpkin farmer? I actually think the Bible makes it clear. The Bible calls that pumpkin farmer a fool. It's poor pumpkin management. Now we look at this story with pumpkins and we go, as if, as if you'd be that greedy that you wouldn't give God 10 of your pumpkins. As if you'd be that discontent that you'd try and find your self-worth in how many pumpkins you got rather than the God in heaven who loves you, saved you, knows your name and has delivered you from slavery. As if. You'd be that unfaithful when God has proved himself faithful to you so many times that you wouldn't trust him for the future. And as if you'd be that foolish that you'd get yourself into that much debt that you had no margin left in your life to give generously to God and his purposes. As if. When we look at it with pumpkins, we think that's crazy. But we all know that we face those temptations with our money. We all know that we can be tempted to hold on to our money because of greed. We all know the temptation of making money such an idol that we find our sense of contentment and how much money we've got compared to others. We all know that at times we really want what we really want and we really want it now. And we can get ourselves into a place where we've got no margin left to give generously to God, whether it's with our money or with our time. God is so confident in his ability to provide for his people that love him and trust him. There is only one time in the whole Bible that God says to his people, test me in this. He says, you can put me to the test. It's in the last chapter of the Old Testament, in the book of Malachi, and God sends a prophet to his people Israel, and he actually says to his people, you're robbing me, you're robbing God. And they say, how are we robbing you, God? And, and the, the prophet says on God's behalf, you're not bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. You're just giving the scraps that are left over. And this is what God says. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out such a blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. Test me and see that I am faithful. What we need to understand about God, he is not a bare minimum kind of God. He is not a just enough kind of God. He's not a limited resources kind of God. In fact, he's got no limits. We have a God in heaven who is not only able to do more than what we've always asked, dreamed, or imagined, but he's able to do immeasurably more. What God has got the capacity to do and his capacity to provide is immeasurably more than what we've ever asked, dreamed, or imagined. So he says, test me in this. I will throw open. If you're faithful to me, I'll be faithful to you. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven. Now let me just press pause here on this message. We are not the people of Israel. We've not been redeemed from slavery and we do not have a covenant with God written in stone. But we have been redeemed by the blood of a lamb. We've been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, 
the Lamb of God. We've been set free from slavery to sin. We've been saved from sin and death. We've been given an eternal purpose. This is what it says in 1 Peter. You know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Now remember the principle, we give to the ones, we give generously to the ones that we love. How much does God love you? He held nothing back. When the only way for you to be redeemed, when the only way for you to be brought back from sin and death, when silver and gold would not do it, when the only thing that would set you free from sin and death was the blood of his son. We sung about it tonight. Nothing but the blood of Jesus can wash away my sin. He gave the most generous gift. He gave his one and only son to set us free from slavery to sin, to save us from death, and to give us an eternal purpose. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, as Lord and Saviour, you've been redeemed. You have been bought back. This is what I really want us to understand tonight. It's not just a little bit of our lives that belong to God. It's all God's. Everything. All of our time, all of our talent, all of our treasure is God's. We sing about it here in this room all the time. I'm yours, Lord, everything I got. I give you my life, God. I give you everything, except let me keep my pumpkins. <laughs> let me keep my pumpkins. See, we don't have a covenant with God written in stone. We have a covenant with God that's written on our hearts. Everything is his. And he speaks to us about how to serve him and his purposes with everything that we've got. Thankfully in scripture, he's given the church, the local church just like us, some guide to how to do that. Let me just flick into the New Testament right now. Firstly, once again, just like the people of Israel, he says, give proportionately. He says, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. It means in proportion to his income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. Just like he asked Israel to give a tithe, to give you know, the first 10% to God, he says the same thing to the local church that has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. He says you are, you are to give in keeping, in proportion to your income. Set it aside. Do not wait till you've got a thousand pumpkins. I tell you, I hear this from people all the time. When I've got a lot, then I'll start to give. Rubbish, you won't. If you are not faithful with a little, you will not be faithful with a lot. If right now you got 10 pumpkins, give in proportion to what you got. If right now you're starting to earn 30 pumpkins, give in proportion, in keeping with your income to what you got. And if you started, you just left uni and you started to, to work and to earn money that you've only ever dreamed of until this point, this is gonna be a difficult step. I remember this step. Start to give in proportion to your income. Give proportionately and give regularly. This is a really important principle, give first. See, in the Old Testament, it was the first thing they were to do with their pumpkins. They would bring it, bring the tithe, before they spent it on anything else, they would bring it into the storehouse. And it would provide for the priests. It would help them to worship in all of their religious festivals and it would be shared with a community in need. Just like we're going to on Thanksgiving Day in a couple of weeks time. But they were to give it first. 
They were to give regularly. And here in the New Testament to the local church, Paul says the same thing. He says, on the first day of every week. For them, that was Sunday. They were to set it aside. They were to give it to God on the first day of every week. He's saying, don't wait and see what's left at the end of the week after you've paid your bills, gone to the movies, bought that new TV, eaten three pizzas, and shopped for shoes in church online when you're sick of hearing about giving. Don't wait. First thing you do, first day of the week, Give first, give regularly, give proportionately. Secondly, give sacrificially. Let's just turn to 2 Corinthians chapter eight. As I said right at the start, there will always be a sacrifice when we seek first the kingdom of God. Listen to the church in Macedonia. Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of a very severe trial. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. They were going through extreme poverty, and yet out of their poverty, there was a rich generosity. They pleaded. They didn't have to get talked into it. They pleaded for the opportunity to see the gospel spread to new cities. You've got to understand, this church is full of first-generation Christians. They've never heard about Jesus until their lifetime. They've put their faith in Jesus. He's transformed their lives. They are so in love with Jesus. He's so captured their heart. They plead for the opportunity to support those who are taking the gospel to new cities and planting new churches. They plead with the opportunity. They're so devoted to the gospel. And can I just say, some of you who have been around this place for a long time and some of you are the next generation coming through, it's one of the truly great things about Gateway Baptist Church. There are people in this church for decades now who have been so devoted to seeing the gospel go to new places around the world. They've given so generously to Gateway Beyond to see people go and share the gospel with the unreached, to plant campuses in new places so more people in more places can hear the gospel. Most of the time, we will never see those people this side of heaven. It's transformed my life. The last 19 years being part of this church and seeing the generosity, the devotion to the spread of the gospel throughout the world. I just wanna say a big thank you to those who've just begun that journey and to those who've been part of that journey for a long time. Thank you for your generosity to see the gospel go beyond us. It's taken sacrificial giving. That's always been one of the marks of the church, was giving sacrificially and giving generously. This next verse I'm gonna read is a really pivotal verse for me when I think about giving. I come before God and say, what are you calling me to give? That's how we're gonna finish tonight. Just to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us and show us and challenge us how he's calling us to give. Listen to what it says. It says, but just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. Excel in the grace of giving. Now we've, we've, you know, given the old pumpkin farmer a bit of a hard time tonight. But this guy who's living on his pumpkins, if he didn't get a crop the next year, two things would have happened. Either he would have had to sell the farm and his family would have become slaves or they would have starved to death. This is a year-by-year year proposition of trusting God. And, now I don't want to confuse the matter too much, but if you read right through the laws of the Old Testament, they were to give a tithe of everything that they produced, but if you added up all of the other offerings on top of their tithes that the law told them to give, it actually added up to about 22.5% of their income. It was a radical generosity. 
It was a radical faith in trusting God. And what the New Testament scripture says to us, whose covenant is not written on stone, but the Holy Spirit writes it on our heart, is excel in the grace of giving. And so it's why I've decided, and this is a personal decision for me, that I can't give, I can't excel in the grace of giving by giving any less than what they were required to give under the law. It's why I I still believe that there's a blessing that God pours out as his people tithe, as they give 10% of their income to God today. It's not a requirement of being a member of this church. It's not a ticket into heaven. But I believe it's how we excel in the grace of giving, or it's the starting point of how we excel in the grace of giving. Give proportionately, give regularly, give first, give sacrificially, give generously, and lastly, give cheerfully. Each man and woman should give what he's decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver. I'm gonna be honest tonight and say I did not start out as a cheerful giver. I did not start out as a cheerful tither. But Susan actually had tithed her entire life. When she had pocket money, she gave 10% to God. When she started working at Macca's, she gave 10% to God. She got a full-time job, started giving 10% to God. When we got engaged, she said, if we're gonna get married, we're going to tithe. I said, okay. (laughs) I was a reluctant giver. I started tithing because I thought she was hot and I wanted to marry her. And for the last 29 years, we've given a tithe to the church and we've decided anything that we give to Gateway Beyond or to Bloom or to help our care centers reach to our community is to be on top of that tithe. And I do not regret it one bit. It's been an incredible adventure in giving to an incredibly generous God who has blessed us more than what we can imagine. You see, every time, every time someone stands in that baptistry and shares their story of how Jesus has transformed their life, I'm cheering. I'm cheering because I love hearing Jesus change people's lives, but I'm cheering because I was part of that. Every time I watch you youth leaders lead our young people in worship and I see the next generation just getting captured with the love of God, I'm cheering because although I'm far too old to be part of that now, I just love seeing what God is doing and when I give, I get to be part of that and so do you and you can cheer along with me if you like tonight. You know, every time I see a bunch of young people sitting in a circle in kids' zone with someone just a little bit older than them, unpacking the good news of Jesus. I'm cheering because I'm part of that and I don't have to, you know, wipe kids' snotty noses. You know, I'm cheering every time, you know, a family opens a red bag and discovers there's a God in heaven who knows their name and loves them because there's a church that cares for them in their time of need. I'm cheering because I'm part of that and we're all gonna be part of that in a few weeks' time. Every time a new campus gets opened and more people in more places hear the good news and every time a new gateway beyond worker goes to another part of the globe with the good news of Jesus and shares it in a way I never would have dreamed of, I am cheering and so are you. You can cheer along with me if you love to give cheerfully because we get to be part of God's eternal purposes. One of our values as a church is that we live with an abundant generosity. We give generously of our time, our talent, and our treasure. I want to say one more time tonight. I'm so thankful, young and old in this room, who give so generously their time, their talent, and their treasure to see the eternal purposes of God go out from this place and make a difference in people's lives. And right now, just to get really practical just for a moment, 
Part of the reason we're sharing this message is because right right now we're about $180,000 behind in our general giving. And we're managing our budget like everyone has to manage their budget. But if something doesn't shift by next year, then we'll have to shift some of what we're doing in our ministries here locally and around the world. And really believe that everything we're doing, God's called us to do. And I just ask you, say, God, how are you calling me to be part of this eternal purpose? How are you calling me to give generously? Not under compulsion, not reluctantly, but what's God calling you to give? How can you give generously to the one that you love and you trust? Jesus said this, in his giving sermon, he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. He says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Live your life focused not on what you want, but focused on what's important to your Father in heaven. Live your life, use your time, your talent, treasure, everything you've got to see heaven fill up. You see, when we all give generously, heaven fills gradually. And it's such a privilege to use the things that God's given us, to be good stewards of our time, our talent, and our treasure to see more people come to know Jesus. Let me just finish with a really simple challenge tonight. If tonight you've never really heard about, thought about tithing, you've never really thought about giving the first 10% of what God's given you back to Him. Now, as I said, let me remind you again, it's not a requirement of being a member of this church. It's not a ticket to heaven. But it's a way that I think we can begin excelling in the grace of giving. Just a little challenge. I've done this about three times in my ministry life. I'm going to do it one more time this weekend. If you've never tithed before, start tithing for 90 days and see if God is faithful to provide. See if God truly is the God who throws open the floodgates of heaven and provides for our needs. As I said, I've, I've put this challenge out there three or four times in my life. I've never had someone come back and complain. Well, once I had someone come to me and say, look, I, I have had to make some sacrifices, but I found such a joy in giving. I don't care. for 90 days. See if God is faithful to provide. Let's stand together. Hey, I just want to pray that simple prayer we've been praying this year. Come Holy Spirit. Just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you tonight. Challenge you. How's he calling you to give generously, to be part of storing up treasure in heaven? Come, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us. Come and challenge us. Come and encourage us. Fill our hearts with faith. God, speak to us about how you're calling us to be good stewards of all that you've given us. Just take a moment to listen. Would you help us tonight to be good stewards, to use our time, to use our talent, and to use our treasure in such a way that we would store up treasure in heaven.
be part of your eternal purposes in this world. God, would you speak to us clearly and would you give us the courage to obey? I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Are we singing about the faithfulness of God, Merce? Awesome. Let's sing. Let's sing about the faithfulness of God. Lift our hands, lift our hearts. Just think for a moment about a way that you've seen God be faithful. Come on, just begin to think about a way that you've seen God be faithful. Come on, let's just lift Him up in this place. Declare that we've got a good Father. He is faithful. All our days He has been faithful. fails me for all my days I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head oh I will sing of the goodness of God all my life and all my Psalm 23 verse 5 and it says surely your love and your goodness will follow me all the days of my life it's been a really powerful picture for me the last few weeks I just think it's for some others here tonight too if you're worried about something if you've got anxiety about something in the future just slow down let the love and goodness of God catch up to you it's following you chasing you down Sometimes just running ahead of God. Just pause, let His love and His goodness fall. Hey, I'd just love to finish praying for a group of people. I'm not, I'm not sure we pray for all that often. Uh, I just want to pray for the kingdom entrepreneurs in this place. So some of you, you've, uh, you've been a kingdom entrepreneur for a long time. You've started a business and you, you've... Uh, you, 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 
you're running a business out in the marketplace with, and you really want to do it according to kingdom principles, I'd just love to pray a blessing over you tonight. I reckon there's also a whole uh, group of people that that's your dream. That's what you're moving towards. And you may not have used those exact words, kingdom entrepreneur, but you've got a dream in your heart to, to, to influence, to lead business in a way that will actually have a kingdom impact on the people that you work with and the, the way that you impact society, the way that you impact community and bless the families that are part of what you're doing. If something I'm saying in all of that is just resonating with your heart, if you're a kingdom entrepreneur, you're leading a business, so that's, that's the plan for the future. Can I just get you to run down the front? I just, just felt since eight o'clock service this morning, I just need to pray. Just need to pray a blessing uh, over you, get people to gather around you and, uh, and pray that God will give you wisdom, pray that God will give you strength, resilience. Pray that God would put the right people around you to actually share the vision, share what God's called you to do. Pray for windows of opportunity to open. I really encourage you to come because I realised this morning, I don't do this very often. I really believe God's just calling us to do it today. If, if that's you, you're down the front, just, just open your arms ready to receive if you know and love these guys you're in their life group or family or just you love Jesus and you want to pray for someone tonight just uh, just come and stand with them come on come on just put a hand on their shoulder I'm going to pray but I just believe it's going to be just a prayer of blessing well up in your heart as I'm praying just let a prayer of blessing well up in your heart Father God thank you God, we thank you that you are a good, good Father. You are a God of abundant blessing. God, you are the God who can throw open the storehouses of heaven and bless us in a way that we can't possibly contain it. We can't imagine it in our minds. We can't contain it in our hearts. God, tonight, I ask that you would pour out a blessing on your people that you love. God, I pray that you'd pour out a blessing on the people who's standing here trusting you. God, the people that you put a vision in their heart, a, a vision to be a blessing, a, a vision to, to start something new, to lead a business, to influence, to, to actually build a community that'll be a blessing to those that they work alongside, but it'll actually be a blessing to the community. God, I pray today that you would reinforce that vision in their heart. Bring them back, bring them back to your vision, your heart the words that you've spoken over them, God. I pray that you'd give them strength and resilience to persevere. God, that where they've come across obstacles and barriers, God, they would not give up, but God, they would draw on your wisdom. And God, we pray for an outpouring of wisdom tonight, that you would give them wisdom to know which way to go. You'd give them wisdom to, to trust that you have in the future, all that uh, they need to actually, you've got enough to supply all of their needs. You've got everything they need for a life of godliness. God, would you fill them with strength, with wisdom, with purpose. God, fill their hearts with love and grace for those that, you know, need to show extraordinary grace to those around them right now. God, would you give them grace in Jesus' name. Grace beyond measure, God. God, would you pour out a blessing? We pray for windows of opportunity to open and God, the courage to walk into them. God, we pray for relationships. God, just there must be moments in there as they're in conversations, they realize this just isn't a convenient conversation. But God, this is a divine moment. This is a divine relationship. This is a divine opportunity. And God, they would they would seize those moments. God, they'd give all glory to you. They'd look back and as they've put into practice the values of your word, as they've taken those moments that you've opened, they truly stand before you and say, all glory to God. It's all you, God. It's all you, God. 
Bless them today. Bless them today. Come on, if you're standing with someone right now, just pray a simple blessing over them. Whatever this, the words are in your heart right now, just pray a blessing, a blessing over them. doesn't make sense but I'll start to ask I'll start to ask questions and God you'd, you'd give us you'd give us a reason for the hope and the confidence that we have in God we share it with confidence God would you bless these guys bless these women as they serve you and they, they seek first the kingdom of God in the marketplace God bless their influence. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to continue our first Peter series next week, so make sure you're here. Can I really encourage you, if you've never been to Thanksgiving Day before, get in your calendar 
It means you've got to come at 10 a.m. You've got to get out of bed while there's still an a.m. on the clock. All right, but I uh, really encourage you, one, one Sunday a year, come along, be part, big church family, blessing our community. See you next Sunday. God bless. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If we can pray for you or you would like to take a further step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to connect with you. Please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au and click on Get Connected to let us know.